0: And welcome, you've made it to What Divines Us. Welcome! We're glad you're here. Uh, All right, so uh, Matt and I decided to uh, challenge ourselves and discuss all the things that we feel like it's complicated for clergy to talk about.
1: I did not approve this. What do you? What? <laughs>
0: Uh-oh. <laughs> Matt, we talked about this earlier, remember? Oh shit. Yeah. We uh so these are all the things that are probably going to turn my ears red uh just cuz they're hard topics to have, to discuss.
1: We need an audio cue for listeners to know when your ears are
0: red. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you can tell, Matt. Maybe you can wash my ears the whole we, we time. We need to like put in the sound of sizzling bacon <laughs> in the background. <laughs> that sounds kosher. That's a kosher idea. Right there. Oh no! What have I done? I'm sorry. Oh, a taboo topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've <they're> already started. <laughs> Bacon, am I right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you know, essentially, there are things that Matt and I. Talk about, I would say, on the pulpit, and then there are all things that we don't talk about on the
1: pulpit as well. Well, hold up now. Yeah. Do you say on the pulpit? In the pulpit? I say in the pulpit. Is that's a weird preposition problem it is, right there? Because we're actually behind the pulpit. Behind. Anyway. But some pulpits do kind of encircle. Like I've got, I've got uh, little things on both sides. huh. Which is nice because sometimes a guest speaker might be a little less balanced and they can hold themselves up. Well,
0: we actually call our stage a
1: BEMA, but FYI. Okay. So on the BEMA would be like how I would probably literally say it. Interesting. Yeah. On the BEMA. Yeah. All right. Anyway, that's that's not really the topic <laughs> at hand, sorry. But we'll, we'll just alternate between on the pulpit and in the pulpit. And from the pulpit. From the pulpit, there you go. I but yes, from the yes.
0: Pulpit. Either way, this is this is us being official, right? When we're in or on the pulpit,
1: we're being yeah. in our most official capacity. And that's a good way to phrase it, too, because there's, there's a line to be drawn that I'm not just saying what I believe. But... I also am, but but the purpose of it is not to say all the things I want to say. Yeah,
0: it's Some, not. Yeah. yeah, I like sometimes I like to remind people remind people that us clergy were also people, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, but often we have a mantle that we fulfill as well. So mm-hmm. I'm uh, mm-hmm. I'm often the the rabbi at my congregation, and that's more than just my persons my title. That I, that I sort of, like, enter into. A role that you're, yeah, a, that you're a role yeah, yeah, exactly uh-huh. right. I imagine the same for you, too. Yeah. Uh, and that's an interesting balance to make between sort of being, like, Abram, sort of, like, the human being, and then Abram, the rabbi. They're not always the same person. Yeah. Uh, I, yep. I, I want to know how it's like for you, Matt, but that's kind of...
1: Very true. And, and sometimes they are. Like, it's a role, but it's also a role that, probably like you... I've felt a calling to since a pretty young age. And so it is wrapped up tightly with my personality and my private life, but they're also distinct. And it's, it's hard to know sometimes where those boundaries are and when you're in the role and when you're not. Yeah. That, that can be a challenging balance, particularly on a Sunday where the topic is close to your heart and you're like, well, what I want to say is a, B, C, and D, but honestly, item C is not from scripture. It's not from our religious tradition. It's just my own personal bent on the topic. So I have to leave that out. Yeah. And that's hard. It that can be really hard to restrain myself because I'm a big mouth.
0: <laughs> but actually, just believe it or not, I didn't. the idea of becoming a rabbi didn't even occur to me until like, I was like 22 or 23. Oh, there you go. Okay. No okay. idea I was going to be a rabbi by then. If I told mm. 20-year-old self... I was gonna be a rabbi. I would be like, "You're crazy." <laughs> yeah, but that being said, same same seeds for me, right? Like, um, we have to be careful. We have to be yeah. careful that our our personal side doesn't infiltrate the role that we play. Yeah. Sometimes it's good. Like sometimes our personals our personal stuff is, is helpful. Uh-huh. Uh, but sometimes it's 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 not helpful. You know, we have to decide what's what.
1: I think you know Scott Groon, right? A member of my church. Maybe you've met he's our tech wizard, but he's oh, also yeah. a very faithful, kind hearted servant of a deacon and does a lot of teaching in the church. And he taught a few classes on the Hebrew word shamar. And if I understand the way he was phrasing it, um, one way to interpret it would be a caretaker and a temporary steward, almost like a land manager in some ways. And I often take that to heart as I'm entering the pulpit, that I'm the temporary caretaker of this office. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not here to make it my own personal uh, speech-making platform, but I'm a caretaker that this, this, Congregation entrusted me with the role to take care of their pulpit, and to, to do that with with care and gentleness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shemara also means guard, FYI. Yes, you mentioned that too. It's, <laughs> uh, it's in the back of my mind of a whole sermon series just on that word. There's a lot you can do with it.
0: <laughs> cool. So, okay, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna bring up some topics, and then we're gonna talk about how we approach them, or or if we approach them, and uh, and then uh, we'll see how red our ears get. All right, first one: abortion. It's even hard saying that word. I it's feel
1: probably like. the biggest uh, dividing topic in the country, right? Right, uh, right. Maybe it's not. I mean, if I look at some of the statistics, I do feel like there's a clear majority that is pro-choice. Yeah. But I think the devil's in the details. Um, I personally have never preached on the topic from the pulpit. Have you ever spoken to the topic from the pulpit?
0: I not not directly. Uh, you know, it's funny cause this one, this one's, this was an interesting one for me cause I do have some, some personal experiences with this that I don't really want to share sure. cause it is so personal, but it's one of those boundary moments, right? For sure, it's a yeah. boundary yeah. moment. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, I haven't really, I, I don't really talk about this on yeah. the pulpit so much. And there's a, there's a reason why like I, I won't offer a, a lot of hot topics on the, in in the now you got me all. I'm hole. sorry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, uh, is that you know this idea for for Jews is that Shabbat is like a day of rest. It's, yeah. it's, it's like a paradise of time over the rest of the week. So so often when uh, when I, I give a sermon, I'm often thinking about you know do I want to like bring in all the what's going on in the week into this sort of day of rest? Right. Or do want do I want to treat this day of rest like it is and pro- and talk about something that's nothing consequential in terms of of politics, it depends. Um, yeah. uh, you know, it just depends how, how close or how big, mm-hmm. uh, whatever the issue it is. And uh, and so, I mean, I, I feel like our my view of, of abortions are quite clear, seeing how our, our last podcast was called Roe v. Wade, and it's mm-hmm. me interviewing um, some people from Planned Parenthood. Yeah, uh, but uh, but that being said, uh, it's 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 a hard thing for me to talk about on the on the on the pulpit.
1: Yeah. Sure. Sure. I also have never uh spoken to it from the pulpit. I uh, part of it is it hasn't been necessary and it might be now with the the recent leak from the Supreme Court, but um uh, it hasn't been necessary in terms of like after uh the Insurrection, for example, there was like a a moment, a set moment that a thing happened and I had to acknowledge it. Yeah. You know, and COVID was an ongoing crisis. You have to acknowledge it. These things are part of what are affecting all of our lives. And with COVID, for example, at least at the beginning, it was affecting all of our lives in the same way. So you could address it without dividing.
0: I must have had, I must have brought in COVID almost every sermon I gave for
1: like a good, a good like eight months. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But with abortion, A, it's... It, it it hasn't come to a head until very recently. Uh, B, it divides people just by mentioning it. it. You don't you can't just you can't just say a little bit about abortion, right? You can't just have a little side note. Oh, by the way, and about abortion, and then move back to your main topic. That becomes the whole conversation. And and C, my my view on it, I don't know that it fits neatly into either camp of pro-choice or pro-life. Other than I do believe that the laws should mean that it's free and available to everybody who seeks one but of course in 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 my heart I also feel like there should be few and so we should have contraception and sex education for everyone so that it becomes the thing that people choose less frequently
0: I think, yes. I mean, I'm the same. I think the capacity
1: for family planning yeah. is the most valuable component of it. But, uh, And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think I want to point out that the conversation you and I just had in those two sentences back and forth yeah. is more than you usually get. Yeah, right? sure. All you can say is pro or anti-boom, and that's the end of it. The-
0: there's a lot of problems with this because, first of all, something to consider is that anytime times there's, like, say, like a, a miscarriage yeah. and a procedure... To deal with it, mm-hmm. that is considered an abortion, Matt. Mm-hmm. It's not—it's not the abortion that we're thinking about. Right. Uh, but but a failed pregnancy requires will, will require an abortion, and and a, and a failed pregnancy requires medication. Yeah, it's often the same yeah. medication used for abortions, and this is where this is where the black and white turns to like gray, right? Uh, because you know what, how what we what we call these things is is usually referred to as an abortion mm-hmm. as well, right. uh, and necessary for women's survival after mm-hmm. a failed pregnancy. So this is this is part of the conversation. Is that I think this issue is much more nuanced. Right. Than, uh, than, than, sort of like what the national conversation is offering, mm-hmm. and and the fear is that it won't ever, whatever, whatever happens,
1: yeah. won't won't deal with the nuances of it. I totally agree. Yeah, and and that that nuance is the perfect word, and it's exactly what is, I feel, impossible to to have in a lot of the forums we we currently have access to. Right? I mean, you can write something. On your personal webpage, but only your friends are going to read it, or people who are like-minded. And you can go on some form of broadcast media, but um, I feel like really, yeah, any nuanced point of view on it gets shut down in favor of the two loudest extremes on either side. And and yeah, and that's so that's so that's troubling. Yeah, but again, but part of the problem is I believe that because of that gray area, I, in my opinion, religion is not clear. Yeah. On the topic. And in my opinion, science is not clear in terms of, you know, when does a, uh, w- like, in questions of viability that a lot of people bring into the the conversation. Science is not clear and religion is not clear. And therefore, we all need to step back and allow a woman and her doctor to move forward based on the moment, uh, based on their, on their discussion. Because there's not some lightning bolt from heaven saying, "Here is the truth." Right. We don't right. know. So acknowledge our own ignorance. Yeah. Sorry, what were you saying?
0: Well, I was going to say, you know, another component of this that I would say a lot of pro-choice people are saying is that it, it, this feels like Christian nationalism trying to control their bodies, mm-hmm. uh, and that's sort of the vibe that they're experiencing. I want to say more than a vibe, but like that's the pressure yeah. that they're experiencing from this leaked.
1: Uh, Roe v. Wade uh, memo from the Supreme Court. Yeah, because I think all of their motivation, and they, uh, I mean, the pro-life side, if I understand it correctly, all of that motivation comes from a conservative Christian interpretation of Scripture. I don't think there's a lot of motivation that's anti-abortion from other stances. Do you think that's fair to say?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that's pretty fair... To say, I still think that like even within more conservative Jewish circles, you're gonna. I mean, okay. like, I mean, we have t- lots of texts in Judaism that that is, I, I would say, really offers a, a pro-choice stance. Yeah. But you're still gonna have uh, a number of Jews uh, who are, who are not who are I would say more pro-life it just but a lot of times it depends yeah. on the person than it does but, but you're right though and that's what and that's, that's what a large group of people are saying is that this feels like a, a Christian's trying to push their agenda onto our bodies
1: yeah, the, yeah. When I
0: say, oh, of course I mean women's women right. bodies
1: <laughs> and I don't know that I agree I, this is kind of a little nitpicky but I don't think that those conservative Christians want are wanting to interfere with bodily autonomy. I don't think that's how I don't think that's what they think they're doing. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's not like they're nefariously twirling their mustaches, saying, "We're going to seize control of bodies." I think, from their religious perspective, they consider the fetus a human life, and therefore think it should be protected by law. Again, I'm not saying this is my worldview. I'm just sure. trying to understand their worldview. Yeah, and and you know, I think
0: I've heard articles called "the Summer, the Summer of Rage." Yeah. Right. And and that's interesting. A way of describing it because I feel like r- anger is what a lot of these people have, and, and the only thing I feel that like they have c- the capacity to, to do in order to make this change possible, mm-hmm. right? And on either side of this is just so much anger. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and it makes you think like like it's it's a fascinating problem. And uh, and you know, I, I think I think it's clear that you and I are, are very much pro-choice mm-hmm. and very much yeah. into sort of like this is about. Of uh, women's opportunity to choose what they want, how they want to plan, uh, and it's just but we see these we see anger from all ends about yeah. this, and as you pointed out, uh, it prevents us from really the, really looking into the nuance of this of this yeah. issue, um, and uh, and so I don't know it's like it's like it's something that it, it's so it's so
1: difficult that I I don't think I I actually would preach about it yeah and and again if it, there is also the the question about which things if they're going to be preached on, does should it be a heterosexual white Christian man, again, making the comment? So when yeah. I'm saying things, I sometimes feel like, oh, do I, do I find a person who's more appropriate to be the, the bringer of this message? Or do I take this opportunity that I've got hear the podcast microphone or the pulpit or wherever I'm speaking and just do my best to say what's right. Well,
0: we did that. With Roe vs. Wade, you know. Right, right, exactly.
1: That episode, that's exactly what we did. Yeah. We took a a back step and we let someone else explain that. Well, here's the difference, though. Again, taking it back to how clergy choose what to talk about um, is on a Sunday morning, that's not the same as a podcast, right? Those are really different moments. And to have them come in to speak from their role as representatives of Planned Parenthood to say, here's our professional expertise. Great. That's wonderful. That's very different than a sermon, which is more directly in our tradition anyhow, is, is, um, an interpretation of that day's scripture reading, right. And proclaiming that scripture passage into how we lead our lives. Uh And that's a different skill set than a public speaker or a, uh, uh, a president of a nonprofit organization; those things are great too. It's just different. Yeah,
0: and yeah. I mean, you and I write sermons every week, and we got
1: to figure out how to deliver yeah. them. It's a, a different
0: skill set. It's right a different there. skill. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So again, that's another reason. I don't think I would preach on it either. There are other hard topics I have preached on, but some. But there's just a whole. Gosh, a whole, uh, what's the word, rubric of things that I, you know, when I'm just sussing it out that week, should I or shouldn't I? And maybe this is our segue, because right now I'm halfway through writing my sermon for this coming Sunday, and I am going very vocal about gun control.
0: Yeah, and gun control is, the, uh, is another topic that I think a lot of clergy struggle to figure out yeah. how to s- preach about it on their uh, or in their pulpit, if you will. And uh, I, I don't. Uh, so you know, another thing to think about, too, in terms of my community, which I know very very well, is that it's a big tent, right? I'm, yeah. I've, there's only two synagogues here in Anchorage. And so I have a lot of different kinds of Jews uh, at my community, and I want all of them to feel welcome. Which is why I often take a Shabbat at the time of rest stance and sort yeah, of my yeah. sermonizing, so that I don't accidentally um, uh, disenfranchise a, a group of my community. Mm-hmm. It's something that I have to be very careful about. And, and yeah. so, gun control is a is a is a near and dear topic to many people, mm-hmm. um, and people feel very passionate about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> the truth. Yeah. Uh, and and so I, I I choose not to really talk about gun control. Yeah.
1: Uh, in the pulpit. We had one member of our church leave, I think it was my first or second year here. And they left our church, not because of anything I had said, but because the national denomination had taken a stance on gun control in in favor of gun control. And he said, that's it, I'm out. And so I said, just to support what you said, it is such a touchy topic and it will make people leave. I also know that you agree with me that there is a time to make people uncomfortable. There's that old that old idiom of preaching, which is to uh, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Yeah. And, the question then becomes: All right, is this the time? Well, let's do so, this. The time, yeah, you know, we don't know. <laughs> There's my, no rule book I, for uh, when it's time.
0: Yeah, for that, I, I use that statement almost all the time, Matt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for me, it's usually I always afflict the comfortable on sort of more of like a one-on-one kind of thing. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah. try to like afflict the entire crowd
1: of people. <laughs> <laughs> you start your sermon by going, "How are you doing out there? Is everyone comfortable?" <laughs> oh, we're, wrong answer. We're gonna change that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's
0: yeah. not. That's not how. That's not how I roll. But uh, I will, I will afflict the poor person who feels who seems comfortable to me, and
1: I want to be like, okay, let's, let's. I think we should pause the podcast right after you say, "I will afflict the poor person." <laughs> Out of context, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a tough one, and again, I don't think I've ever preached. I've preached on. Sadly, we've had we've addressed many mass shootings in our sermons. Yeah, right, and it's it's one thing to say we pray for the families and. We hope this never happens again, and our our thoughts and prayers kind of thing, um, but I suppose through repetition, I it's just getting more and more difficult to not say the answer is obvious. Well, it's interesting. Like I feel like with this this
0: unfortunately new school shooting that occurred at Rob Elementary, the the thoughts and prayers platform has been less defensible. Yeah. this time than in previous times, mm-hmm. um, and I find that fascinating that suddenly people who are saying
1: thoughts and prayers they're getting they're getting, they're getting lam- called out they're on getting it. called yeah. out on it yeah, yeah. well, yeah. and that's been appropriate since the beginning that it's always been thoughts and prayers and action it 's got to be all three you can 't yeah. just do thoughts and prayers and leave it at that and our Atheist and agnostic friends have known that from the beginning and have been saying that from the beginning. And um, I would say our progressive um, people of faith have known that from the beginning. But the ones that are saying... People seldom get mad at me for saying thoughts and prayers because they know I'm also advocating for policy. Yeah. But they get mad at like the governor of Texas because he's saying thoughts and prayers and then walking across the street to speak at the NRA forum. So, you know he should get called out. He should get yelled at. He should get held accountable for the death that he opened the door for. Yeah. In that school shooting. And so I'm feeling I'm feeling more along the lines of, of the angry prophet than the gentle priest this week. Oh yeah. I can totally get that. Um is there anything in your sermon that you want to offer any highlights? Is this Oh God! Well, it's it's here on my on my computer next to me. I don't know. I mean, it's not a happy thing, you know. No. It's a it's a tragic topic, and so I am right now. It is pretty uh, clinical. It's still just an outline of making sure that the things I'm saying are supported by scripture, and our broad tradition, and our specific congregation. I'm sorry, our specific denomination. Sure. In terms of our congregation, I, you know, it's not like I'll be telling them all, you have to agree with me, but I'll be saying things that will be challenging. Um, like you mentioned a moment ago, you know your people, you know you know the congregation, and I know that for most of the people in the congregation, the things that I'll say will be met with agreement. Yeah. I also know the few people in the congregation that are going to give me an earful afterwards. And so I just want to make sure that I've laid things out that are really carefully considered and carefully backed up and carefully spoken so that I don't accidentally blur those lines of our roles that we mentioned before and start speaking, instead of speaking from Scripture, I just start speaking from my own aching spirit. That's Be- why I'm that's- pointing out that
0: Matt's now like pointing to his own heart right now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, that's the, right. The visual yeah. of what Matt's doing. There you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, because if I'm just speaking from my own pain of thinking, oh my God, those parents are going home without their kids right now. Uh, I I could say things, devastating. Yeah. And yeah. so you know you if your mouth is running you could say things that are just terribly destructive.
0: Yeah, and this and this is like this is the issue I think our, or the balance that us clergy have to like walk is that like, you know, it's devastating to think about those parents. Yeah. Or thinking about those parents who had to wait to know whether their kid was alive or right. dead, right? For you such know? a long time, for such right? a long yeah. time, like all that is so painful to think about, and that and and that drives us. Like mm-hmm. I mean, that drives me for sure. Those kind of thoughts are like, this is we our our job is to produce good in the world as clergy. Like our job is to make is is to make the the world a better place. I feel like, yeah. Um, and so, in some ways, it's those things that drive me to want to do that. But at the same time, I have to be very careful about what I say and how I say it yeah. so that we're successful and not hurting ourselves in the process. You know, it's just a crazy... It,
1: it's uh, a hard balance. And yeah. I think what you might be alluding to a little bit also is you're not just... You don't only need to be considering speaking the truth in the moment, but you also need to be considering the community health. Yeah. So yeah. How, how is the whole group going to respond to this? And if my words cause my congregation to split in half then I've, I've caused harm also. And is there a way to speak this same truth or advocate for the same truth? Like you mentioned before, speaking one-on-one to people. Yeah. Would that be a more effective way to change hearts and minds while also preserving the health of the community? That's, that's a tough one to know, right? It, it changes from day to day.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's often, you know, I feel lucky that I'm in a member of a smaller congregation where, you know, I can really afford to have a, a number mm-hmm. of one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. Not every, every clergy has that, has that benefit, uh, so, yeah. but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but the one-on-ones is, is usually, you know, it's not on the pulpit, right? Yes. And, and that's how, but it's another way that we, we, we work yep. is, is trying to convince people off the pulpit as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, next let's bring up another topic, eh? <laughs> uh, LGBTQ rights. We've been pretty open about this one oh, from yeah. the beginning. This where, one is— in, We're full on in favor. Yeah. What's, what's great, though, is that it wasn't this easy for clergy in the past. Right. I, I feel like yeah. I, I feel like past clergy have laid down the groundwork for clergy like us to be able to be vocally open mm-hmm. and vocally for it and not worry about the consequences. Absolutely. Um, because there have been plenty of clergy, uh, clergy that uh, believe what we do but didn't feel like they could be so open about it but helped push the boundaries yeah.
1: for people like us. So, agreed. And I'm I'm very fortunate here that in that um well, I came from, I mentioned this to you before, I moved here from New Jersey and the church I was serving was in a deep blue area. You know, it was it was all progressive people everywhere. And so you could go into the pulpit and say like everybody should be gay and no one should have guns and they'd be like, "All right, you cool. know, <laughs> legit, yeah." <laughs> so, <laughs> Mandatory unarmed homosexuality. <laughs> So it was just so liberal that it, you could say those things and not have any pushback. Then moving here to Anchorage, I thought to myself, well, I might actually be part of affecting some change within a community. Yeah, And that was invigorating to think that I'm no longer just preaching to people who already agree with me. Also, right before I came to this congregation, this congregation split, and the most conservative core of people left and formed their own congregation elsewhere and so the group that was remaining was was much more open minded to those things. So it became much easier to to speak to that issue. They were they were very receptive.
0: Yeah, certainly members of the LGBTQ community have a harder time here mm-hmm. uh, than I imagine they would do. They would have in New Jersey, right? And you, so, when you
1: say here, you mean Anacortes? An anchorage, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So I feel like it's our job to create, of course, a welcoming and open space uh-huh. for them to be who. They are right, uh, but I find that I find that work to be pretty pretty non-controversial, uh, essentially. Uh, so yeah, yeah, same. Okay, well that one that, that one was easy. That what the heck, easy. man? Okay, Ooh.
1: how about vaccinations? I hate them. What? They've got <laughs> microchips in them from Bill Gates. No. <laughs> uh, no, this this was one that I did preach to from the pulpit regularly it yeah, became a so thing where know, every Donald. week and it wasn't like the topic of the sermon but I would either during the announcements or during the the pastoral prayer or during the sermon I would work it in somewhere to say this this type of science is an amazing gift and we have to use it it's the way to fulfill scripture's call to love our neighbors you know I would I would I would hit it every single week for several months in a row there yeah I thought this was an easy one for yeah. me too but there are those who were against it, and did, it's crazy. Did
0: anyone try to contact you about getting an, an exempt from that from Yes, me some too. random
1: stranger. <laughs> no one in my own congregation, thank goodness, because that yeah. would have been more awkward. But yeah. this guy just called out of the blue. He was like, hey, I don't want to get it. Can you give me one of those? And I was like, no. I. I in fact, I think you should get the vaccine. Go get the vaccine now. And he was like, no, thanks, bye. And that was that. Just the one guy. How about you? I had two random people who claimed they were Jewish And want the vaccine, or or wanted,
0: wanted, yeah, to get uh, some kind of thing so they can do the vaccine. Yeah. And they thought, like, maybe I had, like, a whole, like, I don't know, form that they decided to fill out or whatever. Uh, Did you make him say Shabbat? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I thought it was like like these, these are people that I've never met in my life, and yeah. and they weren't even. I think one of them wasn't. I forget where they were, but uh, one of them wasn't even in, in Alaska at the time. they were they're moving to Alaska or something like that. Yeah, and uh, and uh, they wanted to get an exemption, and so they assumed they to call a Rabbi up, and it's easy. It's
1: so and, disrespectful to the very concept of religion. It's like yeah. it's like no, nah, I'll never be a part of any congregation or anything. But yeah, write me a permission slip to get out of gym class. Yeah, yeah, it's I know. silly. It's just silly.
0: <laughs> yeah, so so, but that was so that was all. It, and I could, like you said, I know it, almost everyone in my community all recognized the value of the vaccines. Same. Yeah, uh, we had a really high so, percentage, and so I'm so proud it, of that. Yeah, yeah, so it was not an issue for my for my community. And so, no, I had yeah. no problem talking. Now,
1: there's a broader community, though, and here's this is another question of role, that we have our congregation of members and or regular attenders, right? But beyond that, you and I are both active in the community, and we know a lot of people throughout town, and I've had a handful of people in Anchorage say, well, I, I'm not really one to join a church, but I do kind of consider you my pastor, Yeah, which I consider a great honor. I'm real pleased to hear people allow me that role, but... That also means that if I'm having a Facebook conversation with that guy, I got to be aware of how I might be viewed by him. Like, I'm not just a random dude to him. I might, he might be looking to me for something else. Yeah. Or she, or whatever. And just yesterday, an old friend from high school, I've known this person since kindergarten. Not just high school, my hometown is tiny, and so we all knew each other. And. She sent me just this private message screed against some of my previous posts and saying, how can you as a pastor say that we should all get the vaccine, right? So it's not just political differences, which were deep into conspiracy theory, Trumpism, crazy town, but it's, it's not just that difference. It's, and you as a pastor should know better, right? Which is insane because she's saying that just because I don't fit her idea of what these topics should be. And so there's been this role placed on it with vaccines in particular of they made it a religious issue. So even though I didn't preach on it from the pulpit to this broader community beyond just my own church, they were looking at my words as the pastor's perspective. And that's crazy, and I, I'm sure you get that too, right? I,
0: I love it, though.
1: I mean, uh, Well, when I say it's crazy, but yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> let me change it. Usually, I like it. In this yeah, particular yeah. instance, it, it came amidst a manifesto of these beliefs that were really out there. Yeah, that's that's the hard part. I, but but it makes it hard for us to even know how to speak in public sometimes. Well, I think that you know what you and I have been trying to do with this podcast is yeah. to show that like
0: there are there are progressive clergy, there are progressive and liberal people that need you know to, to have faith. And need religion, uh-huh. uh, and that us progressive clergy try to do a lot of good in the world, uh, and so uh, we try to be a counterpoint to a, a lot of sort of the conservative religion slash sort of politics. Which I feel they're yeah. like kind of combining at this point, uh, right? And right. Uh, and to say that no, this is not this is, These guys don't represent all of religion right they don't get to represent what religion does you know mm-hmm. there's plenty of us of us progressive clergy that are doing religion the way that we believe should be done which right. is to be helpful which is to be good and to give every, you know and to allow people to be who they are yeah and offer them a level of dignity you know and so that's sort of that's where I, I think where we draw the line is that is that when when people say well uh, you're a pastor you should be doing this way you just say I'm a pastor and I'm doing it this way you know, right I'm yeah. a rabbi I'm doing it this way <laughs> yeah I'm sorry if you think that's not the way rabbis or pastors should be doing it, but this is the way that we
1: interpret our roles. It's kind of like when you see a photo of someone who's 50 and they're like, this is what 50 looks like. <laughs> right? like that, that by definition is what a 50-year-old looks like because that's a 50-year-old. And yeah, by definition, what I'm doing is what a pastor does. Right, right. And that that doesn't mean it's right. It might be this is how a pastor screws up royally, but it's, it's <laughs>
0: well, No, but that's a, pro- that's a problem too because when pastors do screw up royally or when whole when whole denominations of churches, yeah, screw we're talking about South Baptist right? You know, right oh, absolutely, yeah, now, yeah uh-huh. that uh, that hurts us. That hurts all, like right. that. I mean, like, right. we're we're hurting. like, you know, I, I never have my door uh, closed when I have a minor in my room, same, right? And yep. and part of it is because of what happened with the Catholic Church, right? right. I'm not Catholic, I'm not a priest, um, but uh, but I'm a religion, mm-hmm. and so I. I I'm paying a penalty for those guys' actions. Yeah, you know, and so I'm really. I think you and I, our job is really to create a counterpoint to that, and to show that there are still good, there are still there are
1: good clergy in this world. Right. And Uh, for instance, our denomination and congregation have very strict policies, similar to what the school has, in which I'm never alone. With a child, right? You know, it's it just as a policy, it's, and and there's all the mandated reporting and the the checks and balances, and it's all good. Signatures. It's yeah. all good policy. Good policy. You, if your coach doesn't do that at high school, you yeah. shouldn't join the team. Did you see the one recently? A basketball team, I think, here in town, where they were having kids or parents sign, like you. You know, you give permission for photos online in this, yeah, and yeah, also, and also, you won't sue us if there's an abuse scandal or what? something. There was some that—that's not exactly what it was, but it was something really disturbing in there. Never heard this is. This oh my is, golly! Yes. All right, put uh, a put a pin in that for the next oh episode. Man, hot goss it was hot it, goss for next episode. It was yeah. not gossip. It was in the newspaper. You know, it's out there. And they said, of course, like, "Oh, we were told by lawyers we should do it," and so there it was. We'll take it out, but it was disturbing to see in there for sure. Yeah, crazy stuff. But yeah, of course, we we follow strict guidelines and hard and fast rules to say here's what we can and can't do, just to protect people.
0: And, and th- those are good policies.
1: Yeah, and they're very reactionary to what we've
0: what we've seen as possible hmm. yeah. of how clergy can treat you know mm-hmm. minors. So,
1: yeah. Anyways, that's very, yes. (laughs) So we're on the same page on all of these issues, it seems. And, uh, yeah, sussing out the details of where to, where we speak about them and how. And it's different from the pulpit than it is one-on-one. And that's different from, like, social media or out if we're just out at a restaurant somewhere. Should we do next topic? Sure. President Trump. Um, uh, oh, no. Uh, I didn't know that was on the list. Jesus, yeah. uh,
0: <laughs> So this is an interesting one. Before I go personal, I just want to know, like, I've been following, the, like, a big problem that a lot of pastors have had in the news, at least that i follow, is that, like, they themselves, I would say, are Republican, but not necessarily Trump supporters, but mm-hmm. their entire congregation sort of got sort of... Riled up in sort of the whole, the, I would say, like the MAGA phenomenon, and they themselves, these pastors, were pushed out of their own church because yeah, yeah. they didn't, they didn't want to join in on that. I've seen that. So, so I feel like President Trump is actually a very polarizing figure in religion. Uh, oh be, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a <news> flash. <laughs> I know, but, but but like you know, it's funny because in, in Judaism, our our synagogue isn't really a, a a political entity the way that many churches have become. Right? You know, a lot, hmm, of, yeah. a lot. Churches have been like vote, you know. Here's what you're, or, or offer a list of people to vote for, which is not, which is ill against the Johnson Amendment. That's as right? kosher as bacon, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but anyway, still a very polarizing uh, figure. Yeah. Uh, and but I think in more, I would say progressive communities like you or me, most people feel the same way. That being said, like I mentioned before, my congregation a big tent. So I definitely got congregants that are Republican and and voted for for Trump.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I, I do my best to follow the Johnson Amendment, and that's hard because I know real Trump supporters don't. They'll go right out from the pulpit and preach in favor of him.
0: And just FYI, Johnson Amendment yeah. is uh, if you support a candidate as a religious institution, you risk losing your 501c3 tax status. Yeah. So it's not illegal to support a
1: candidate. It's just... You, you risk you, you risk you risk your tax status if you do. the crazy thing is there's no enforcement of it like ever. you totally could get away with it if you wanted to with no penalty. and from what I've seen, the only ones doing that are the Trump supporters. yeah the rest yeah. of us are trying to follow the spirit of the rule um, yeah, I mean, I didn't speak to him by name except for when he said something as a candidate. I think it was. The grab her by the statement, you know, where I just said, you know, that's just a terrible thing for anyone to say about anyone. I shouldn't. But for the rest. But I did preach to adjacent topics throughout his presidency. And I'm sure you remember it was a constant drumbeat of insanity and horrible behavior when he stood in front of the church and held the Bible upside down. I mentioned it by then by name then as well, I think. Um, So not as a candidate. But as one individual person's actions of being terrible, as you know, as as a leader and and behaving in a sinful manner, I spoke to those. Um, I don't think I got any pushback on either of those from anybody. It's uh, again, I think it's a question of discretion. If you preach against. One topic or one person every single week. People are going to be like, come on, man, move on. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're, and, you're and obsessing. And President Trump has been a really interesting uh, figure, sort of in the Jewish world too, because he
0: was so pro-Israel. Mm-hmm. Right. He even moved the uh, American embassy right uh, to Jerusalem from Tel Aviv, which is mm-hmm. a big deal for a, a, a lot of Jews. In, you know, in, yeah. our, in our community. Um, and but uh, but white nationalism also. Became a big so thing. Bizarre so bizarre that a
1: guy who could try to represent both.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, no tent is that big. Yeah. So and so you have actually. I mean, honestly, it was polarizing for our, for the Jewish community, right? Yeah. Because you had a you have never had such a pro-Israel uh, president before. I mean, because no president had been willing to move the embassy, the American embassy. Uh-huh. Uh And and so, but but then later, uh, unfortunately, Trump President Trump said he did that for the evangelical Christian vote.
1: Right? He, yeah. he moved them, is he not for the Jewish community? To which but- I have to respond with a very well educated and nuanced statement, which is well, doi! <laughs> I mean, well, no, it, no, duh. That's uh, he did everything just to uh, gobble sur- up a it vote. It surprised
0: me he said it out loud. because like, it, yeah. yeah, that that's the part that really got me. Is that if even quiet about it, uh, it would have you could have argued that he he was doing this for you know the Jewish community, and you have got a plenty of of Jews that loved him for it. Uh, hmm. um, but uh, but when he when he publicly said no no no, it's for evangelical community. That was that was a
1: big that was that was that was painful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's just tough to not mention it by name, but certainly outside the pulpit, I, I worked as hard as I could to do everything to stop him from continuing to do his terrible harm. And he's still doing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, so our next topic, wars in general. <laughs> The wars is what, <laughs> is what I wrote. I don't know why wars in general. Because I guess because I know why. Because we're having the, we're having the Ukraine, the Ukraine war right now, yeah. Which is which is of course incredibly unpopular uh, to support Russia at the moment. So it's an, so, it's so an it's easy pretty, one, to talk, easy one yeah. to talk about. It's easy one to talk about. But there are there are wars in the past that have been more complicated, yeah. Uh, like our American invasion of Afghanistan and and Iraq essentially.
1: And if I remember at the time, I was in my first year of seminary. You were in high school, you said, right? Yeah, yeah. So for nine
0: eleven, yeah, I'm yeah, for nine eleven,
1: and so if I remember that correctly, it would have been unlikely for anyone to preach against that war, um, because there was just such a monolithic response from much of the U.S. that we should go ahead and do that. The Iraq invasion shortly thereafter had a lot of pushback. Yeah, yeah, but but on the Afghanistan one, I think everyone felt like, oh, this makes sense. It seems like the people that attacked us were. Being housed there, and so let's stop that. Um, so to preach against that one, no, oh, that would have been a different deal than preaching yeah, against like, Afghanistan. But
0: also, like you know, us clergy, we, we try to be unifiers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I can see that being complicated. Wanting to want to, to to be like a unified front as a as a country and trying to support that makes sense to me. I mean, mm-hmm. we now know that in hindsight the quagmire. Afghanistan became, but I think if I were not in high school, but actually a rabbi, I probably would have, would have been pro.
1: That's a question. And I, I I remember at the time thinking to myself, well, thank goodness I'm not (laughs) in a pulpit here because I don't know what I would do because I, I can see the pragmatism of it, but I, can't in good conscience say hooray for a war yeah. yeah and I was never I was, yeah. I, even as a, ki- I, I, I was a kid at the time right? And still in high school I was never for like, hooray, the Iraq yeah. invasion I thought that right, was right. pretty ridiculous I, I think I don't know if this is apocryphal but um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer who was involved in the plot to assassinate Hitler he was a theologian um, and a, a German pastor he I believe framed the war against Hitler in general and also the assassination attempt he said it's not good but it's necessary um, and so I can see that. Like in World War II, where people often use as an example of a just war, you know, to from from our response to it. Um, yeah, I could see it being a necessary response. But I don't know that I would still call that good because it still does involve intentionally killing people. Yeah, and tons of damage. And that's not good. And, yeah, all the collateral damage of people you kill by accident, not your yeah. not only killing the people who made the bad choices.
0: And, and I think also one thing we're discovering is that there's, like, generational trauma that occurs for yeah generations mm-hmm. after a war yeah. that is very damaging
1: now with the question of the current one with ukraine being invaded it's it's much more black and white where they're just being attacked yeah by an outside aggressor and so it's easy to say protect them that's yeah. different than saying i would never i never have and still wouldn't ever say oh i hope the russians get killed and bombed back to where they came from right that's not that's not the hope we're going for. But for the invasion to fail, yeah. you know, And for Ukraine to prevail, yeah. For, I wouldn't For Ukraine to be able to build, rebuild. Right, yeah. That would be yeah. amazing. Yeah, and it's pretty, that no problem. But I also feel like yeah. it's it's that question of uh, if you're in a car with a really sensitive accelerator, you want to be careful not to tap the gas too much because the car will rocket offward. And I kind of feel like from the pulpit saying something in favor of a war is a little bit like that. Like, yeah. Now settle down, everybody. <laughs> you know we're going to say there's some there's some elements to this that we need to acknowledge are necessary, but let's remember the horrors that have been done in the past when church and state decide to go to war at the same time. You yeah, know, it can it can be a a bad concoction.
0: Okay, well yeah. Uh, next topic: death penalty.
1: I don't know if that's really one. I think I mentioned that on this list, and now I'm thinking about it. I don't this know. This one's that's so uh, easy. real hot. I'm yeah, just against it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: I mean, we got lots of famous ancient Jewish rabbis that are always against death penalty. Yeah, uh, and can't can't stomach capital punishment. It's so like even in like in our own like rule, our Talmud, our, our Jewish sort of rule books, if you will, uh, they make capital punishment so hard yeah, that it's almost yeah. impossible to pull off because
1: just. Us Jews can't stomach it, you right? Know? Yeah, uh, so this is not- uh, I'm totally opposed to it too. And 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 even despite the theological arguments, it also just doesn't work. I mean, there's no evidence that it's ever worked. People will say things like, "Oh, we got to go back to when we did that." And I'm like, "Well, you still had crime then. If if it was so effective, why did you still have crime back in the day when you had the death penalty?" And uh, yeah, not only is it not effective as a deterrent, but we so frequently get the wrong person. It's yeah, it's a terrible idea. Next, <laughs> uh, economic justice. I'm opposed to it. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're opposed to justice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a tough one to to know when to preach on it because yeah. again, it, you could you could do it every week because it's an ongoing, sustained condition, systemic, yeah. too, and yeah, how, how big it is and how many parts there are to it. Right, and and we're never outside of that system. It's it's ongoing. So so you just you have to pick and choose when it's the most pertinent and appropriate and useful. Um, yeah for me it's childcare I I yeah. preach about that semi regularly. You have child care a child care in your building so you have a handy reference point. Yeah uh, yeah Or a preschool
0: or a childcare I have care. a preschool yeah. in my building uh, I'm an I'm considered an administrator of that preschool mm-hmm. and I've got two children who utilize it Wowzers. so I got the triple triple threat nice. there. Yeah yeah so so for me it's really easy to say how important and valuable child care is. Yeah. Um, and I have no problem. Touching yep. that from the from my pulpit at least, I don't. See, it feels like it's like a non.
1: I don't see how she's it, even controversial. Maybe it's not as controversial as we thought. <laughs> well, until you start getting down to the brass tacks of how to make it happen, I think that's yeah. one way a lot of these topics can get broached. Is if you say if you keep it in the theoretical realm, people would be like, "Well, okay, I disagree with you, but I suppose we're all right." But then if you say. I think childcare is good, and therefore the government should provide free childcare to anyone who yeah. asks for it. Yeah. Then you're going to get pushback because you made it a policy that would impact them.
0: Yeah, to their tax dollars. Yeah, should, so like, so when it comes to the preaching, there's often towards the end something called the charge. Yeah, yeah. Right, and so that's the idea. Like, well, here we just us clergy just, just give you a bunch of th- good things to do, uh, or good or good th- good values, if you will. It's, the, it's the therefore moment. Therefore, here's, all the here's, stuff here's we what you got to do. Now go take action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always struggle with the charge because I I feel like I feel like I feel like going and saying now go, now go do something about that isn't is like is is okay, but I'd rather say and I figured out what we can do about. that this, which is so much better, but so much more complicated to pull off, because often it requires more than just writing a sermon. It requires like a whole, it requires yeah. like a whole like like programming and like you know yeah. event planning
1: or or networking. I don't know. It uh, is a hard bridge to build. but, yeah, but if yeah. you don't, then you're just like, here's a bunch of stuff I thought of. Go do something. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but that's the
0: thing is that like I, I feel like if I mean I don't often give political sermons. I don't like I said before. Yeah. I, I often try to I try to practice the idea that Shabbat is a place of rest. Um, but so that once in once a while, when I do, I really try to have like a, an ending that like a charge that like I've I've done
1: I figured out how to how to how to how to, like get yeah. people to go and do I, I don't know that's well I think that's hugely important even on a Shabbat rest kind of sermon where I've preached sometimes about how important it is to um, to make time in your life to personally pray and reflect. Yeah. And then for the last five minutes of the sermon, I'll provide that. I'm like, we're just gonna have quiet time now, and you're gonna pray on ah, your own genius. right here. We have you know? five minutes to your sermon. That's right. <laughs> I, just, I just felt like taking a nap that day, so I was like, that's all. The... No, but it's like there's the therefore. Therefore, yeah. take yeah. a moment now, and it, it doesn't have to be political to provide that. Therefore, and it yeah. can. I think mm-hmm. people, from what I've heard people say to me, they really appreciate that because it, again, you and I. We'll spend our hours and hours and hours per week thinking about this stuff, about this religion, faith, spiritual life. One
0: one would say that we're we're paid to do that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So what might seem like a presumed knowledge thing to us isn't to everybody. Yeah. You know, and so for instance, when I read scripture, I try my best to always start that time with prayer to make sure that I'm in the mindset of humbleness and receptiveness instead of just reading it to get information that I choose to find, right? To me, that's kind of a no-brainer. Everyone should do that. It's just part of our tradition. However, it's not a no-brainer for everybody. Most people that walk into a church on a day wouldn't think to say we should pray first before reading Scripture, you know? and I don't even know if that's outside. I don't know if your tradition does that, but it's part of how we were told to. But the, the the point being, you and I might make a lot of presumptions about how to be a religious person that don't apply to most people in their daily lives. Yeah. So when you give that at the end of the sermon, I think it's amazingly helpful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, uh, I think our final topic is racism we're opposed opposed yeah. right right but interesting because like we're definitely opposed to racism uh and uh, and i think pretty open about about that on our pulpits as well yeah uh, but I've, there is issues with like how like where we see it and how systemic yes. it is and how ingrained it is into our society mm-hmm. and trying to like pull that apart can be controversial yes i feel like but there's also there's other issues too like you know critical race theory for example mm-hmm. where it's 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 like a, an, it's it's a complicated thing because, from what I understand, it's only really taught as it, a college level class. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's a big, it's a, it's like a standard, like a, a flying standard for a lot of conservative uh, thinkers and people who, you know, who yep. claim that's happening all around us.
1: It's, a, yeah. I think what you're saying, like a flying standard, you mean like it's it's serving as like a flag of the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I yeah. agree with both critical race theory. I think has taken on that role from Black Lives Matter, in which the people talking about it, maybe we're talking about entirely different things from the left and the right. It just became the thing to argue about racism. Right. You know, and so if I were to say something about critical race theory from the pulpit this coming Sunday, people would define it whatever way they'd been told to define it by their own news sources. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I'm never going to talk about that. And so you know, it would be a, a whole different... different bit, yeah. Right, yeah. So if I were to say, hey, everyone, don't be racist, everyone agrees because they all think they're already not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But if I say, don't be racist, and what that means is, and you give some real solid examples of what we do in our society, and they say that you'll then start to hear things like, well, wait, that's not racist. Right. Or... I was just joking you know or the other things that people use to defend against racist stuff and, and that's where that pushback comes It's it's been the concept is, is such that you can pretend not even pretend you can believe you're not being racist even though you are being racist
0: oh that's how ingrained it is in, in right. sort of, in sort of of the American society, yeah, and, and to separate those things is, is taking it's taking time. Like, yeah, it's a long process.
1: Yeah, uh, and we're but trying. Then, yeah, but then you've got to. It's almost like a uh, like an autopsy. You got to get in there and dig things apart bit by bit to say this is the cause of the of the trauma here was oh there was. Like all these um, years of us watching TV shows where there was only one black character and he was a criminal, right? Okay, right, right. well I'm not racist. Oh, but yeah, I I guess I did always see things through that lens. You know? Yeah, and when you start pointing that out to people, that's when they start getting defensive.
0: Yeah, I mean I read a lot of like. Um books, like, my, my son, you know, he's five, and so we're now in chapter books uh-huh. uh, with pictures in them, really yeah. important, and, like, uh, I, begin to, I begin to notice sort of, like, the diversity of the characters in the books. Right, yeah. Uh, and I'm very fascinated of the limited diversity of many of these books have, and so mm-hmm. I've now made, like, an, a concentrated effort to, like, find books for him sure. <laughs> that have characters of, like, diverse backgrounds yeah. so that he gets to experience it. But I can totally understand, like, having even, like, your literature that you read that you don't even think about is being as all whitewashed right uh, and and not even occurring to you that that's that that's a form of
1: of racism not you know not does yeah. that apply to Jewishness as well like when you're reading through, and it's like there's no black characters in the story. Do you keep an eye out for if there are any yeah, Jewish characters? Not really.
0: We're them? such a small demographic, right? Okay. Like, I'm not surprised. I mean, like, it's it's like it's great when like someone's Jewish in a book. And I'm I'm thrilled. Yeah. But I'm all I'm, I'm, provided like, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. You don't <laughs> exactly want to find right. out. Yeah, oh, it yeah, turns yeah. out all yeah. along Darth Vader yeah. was Jewish. Yeah, oh, man. No, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm watching in Venice for, in Shakespeare's. And, oh, right. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the funny. Jewish Jewish bad guy. But uh, but um, I'm not like I'm never upset when, when there's no Jews portrayed. in Okay. series of characters because like I recognize that like there's not a lot of Jews out there compared to other other peoples so you know what I yeah, mean yeah um, uh, but there are a lot of other groups of ethnic backgrounds and a lot and there right. a lot of groups of people and a lot of people of color yeah you know those are big representative groups here in, and you know in our world mm-hmm. and uh, and they should be mentioned or they should be highlighted in my kids books
1: right uh, and yeah. so <laughs> but again to preach on that is it depends on when it's pertinent. And there were the yeah. Black Lives Matters demonstrations and, you know, in the wake preached, of the yeah. George Floyd stuff. That, and I've that, preached, I, was directed, I was preaching directly to it, and to it, to it at yeah. Then too. yeah. And I got pushback. I get, had a couple of people um, who didn't care for that. Um, Me too. And yeah. here's a, a weird thing. I think we're wrapping up. Uh, one way I address that often is that I think people feel very comfortable offering that critique in written form or a voicemail. So they'll call the church after hours and leave a voicemail or they'll send a note. And that's okay. You know, provided they sign their name to it, I'm fine with that. And then I call back and I follow up and say, I would love to schedule a conversation with you when you sit down and really talk about the details if you have an hour to give. And they're like, No, I'm okay. Thanks. Yeah. I I find that usually diffuses the situation to say, Look, I read your whole thing. I thought about it. I'm willing to talk to you if you want to. And often they're just like, No, I I just wanted to say it, (laughs) but I don't necessarily want a conversation. And then we're cool from there on out. So I I think, you
0: know, we talk about counter speech. Yeah. often in this podcast, and that's what that is, right? Yeah. You're you're countering their perspective, and right. maybe they not had it countered in that way before, mm-hmm. uh, and so it makes sense to me.
1: The dumbest thing is when I get anonymous stuff. Just people will write a letter, and then just send it without their name, and I'm like, that's the most cowardly thing. And one in particular, a guy wrote me a whole screed about not forget what some some stuff, and then, but it ended with a bunch of questions. Like, how could you do this? And what do you think about that? And how about that? But he didn't leave any way for me to respond. <laughs> Rhetorical, apparently. Uh, but they, not necessarily. I'm oh, not yeah? There. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's all the controversy we can handle today.
0: Yeah, my ears are pretty red. Just gotta say. Ooh.
1: <laughs> there's, there's some sizzling bacon in the background. They are not even red at all. He's <laughs> lying to you, people. <laughs> Imagine a clergy person lying on this podcast. <laughs> that would never happen. Not on this podcast.
0: All right. Well, I think that, that, that wraps it up. So anyways, yep. uh, so uh, thanks, uh, Matt. And uh, so I want to also thank uh, our the Mutual brothers who help with our sound design and James Brown for our logo. And you can see us uh, preach in action. Uh, uh,
1: from the pulpit, from in the pulpit, on the pulpit, whatever, and near the pulpit.
0: Whatever preposition you in, want. In, under, around, and through <laughs> the pulpit. Yeah. Um, you, can, you, can, you can come to my center synagogue. Uh, we're, we're open uh, on Friday nights, and uh, but you can, we also have a live stream at Alaska Judies
1: and Media on YouTube. Heck, we see you, Matt. Uh, First Presbyterian Church of Anchorage, Alaska. We're right here on the Park Strip, 616 West 10th Avenue. Uh, find us online. You'll see all the information. We, this week, are 11 a.m., but by the time this goes out, we'll be meeting at 10 a.m. Summer mm. hours, baby!
0: Nice. Alright, everyone. Well, thanks for listening getting this far. Take care. Bye.